leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. with another edition of Waking Up to Cybersecurity. It is CISO Thursdays on Veterans Day, on Veterans Day, and our favorite veteran of in the world da, da, da. is here with us. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Veterans Day, sir. Thank you. <laughs> OMG. So, how is everyone doing? We're doing an Ask Me Anything today. Well, first, what am I doing? I'm introducing myself. Renee Small, cybersecurity super recruiter, helping awesome leaders hire great talent. Please do a couple of things. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure you <laughs> subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit the link below for that. We also need you to subscribe on your favorite podcasting listening platform. And now over to my co-host, Chris Fulham. And it being Veterans Day, wearing red to remember the deployed and remember all the veterans out there like Mr. James Azar. That's right. <laughs> James Azar. How's it going, Renee? Chris? Happy Thursday. Happy Veterans Day. It's a good day to be alive, ain't it? Absolutely. It's a good day to be alive. I think, like, you know, we live in the greatest country on earth. So, like, whenever days like this come along, all, all, I ever, all I've been doing all day is doing this. Just like, <laughs> I know. I need a little flag. <laughs> My mom has this big, huge American flag that she will put up. Like, takes up the whole front. I need a little one. You know, I want to get like a huge one that's like the size of my front door. She has you mean like a I car have. dealer? Yeah. You know, if <laughs> HOA rules doesn't let me put a pole more than eight or ten feet in my neighborhood. Do they specify but the ground I mean, clearance? From I'm the, thinking I'm, I'm, I'm a From what you put it on? No, they don't. That's the thing. So I'm thinking I'm going to make like a little like, hill. Like, you know, a ten foot. Foot hill, <laughs> stick an eight foot <laughs> thing on it. Somebody will see anyway. Stephen Upshaw, good morning, Stephen. Good morning. Today is an ask me anything day. So feel free to ask us anything. Stephen, you've been awesome about coming on and engaging with us. So it's fantastic to see you. If other people are here, um, let us know where you are joining us from. Let us know. Put that in the chat. Where are you listening or watching from? You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, we talk often about AMA, right? Like as we wait for kind of people to join and it is Thursday and, you know, a lot's going on a day like today. It's also like right before Thanksgiving, right? You ever notice how Veterans Day is like in the same month as Thanksgiving? Yes, every year. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. 
So, so James, what are what are some of the things that you do to honor the veterans in in your family or that you've known throughout the years? What are some of the things I do? Oh man, you know, um, I raise money. So this year, you know, I really wanted to do kind of a telethon today. Um, and bring on a bunch of people. I know Jackson, Josh were doing it. I was on theirs an hour ago, but, um, and raise money for a veteran cause. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously bandwidth and a baby being a month old has uh, kind of hindered my ability uh, to do that. So, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of off uh, this year, but I typically, you know, tend to uh, um, spend time, um, you know, with, with fellow vets so, you know, tonight we'll do stuff um, and hang out. We typically go grab a drink. Um, I think this year is extra special because of my kid, right? So, like Veterans Day has a different meaning this year, I think, than, you know, many of the other ones have come and gone. But, you know, when he gets older, it'll be greater to share stories, right? Uh, so, yeah. Cool. That's awesome, James. Well, for any anyone in the um, in the live audience, if you're if you want to come on, just hit us up and we'll um, bring you on today, and you can ask your question. Exactly, we'll bring you on live with us. So, <laughs> David Brin says, "Hey, Renee and James and Chris, I've been slacking, but I'm back making the rounds again. Great to see you back, David Brin. Scott is in Saugerties, New York. Is it? Is that how you pronounce it?" I don't know. It's probably got a New York twist to it, right? It's like Solgatis or something. Like it's got like a little like <laughs> New York thing to it, right? Like it just nothing in like you and I would look at New York and we say New York, but a New Yorker would look at New York and be like New York, right? <laughs> yes, sir. My home states in. Paul says, thanks for giving me a hard act to follow on the live stream. I did not know you was coming after me. Had I known, I would have downplayed it, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, Paul. Oh, my gosh. Sarah says, good afternoon from Jacksonville, Florida. Hey, Sarah from Jacksonville. Good to see you here. Who is this? Good afternoon. Good afternoon, all chiming in from New York City. Hey, Renee, my old coworker. Who is that LinkedIn user? <laughs> I got to go find out who that is. Identify now. yourself now or be banished from live stream forever. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, so we have Will from the Hey Guys UK here. James, your anti-British sentiments tend to make me chuckle, also reflected on your T-shirt. I'm just saying, I don't have an anti-British sentiment. I really like the UK if, you know... Following a 95-year-old queen, the thing, <laughs> right? Paul! Paying taxes to a monarchy, <laughs> not having any freedoms. Welcome. <laughs> you so Thanks funny. to the awesome team for having me. <laughs> yes, thank you, thank you. I did not catch. How, how did your live stream go after I got off, man? Uh, I, well, I didn't get choked up this time uh, talking about you know, my family members. So that's a, a bright side, right? <laughs> but, you know, you, you're, you're uh, I'm doing veteran November in a small kind of move this year. And Paul aired yesterday. He kind of kicked it off and uh, I've got Josh Copeland coming up in about less than an hour. And, um, and yeah, yours was good, man. It was heartfelt. It was, it was magnificent. Oh, well, I mean, I definitely had to, to raise that standard, right? <laughs> um, you know, bringing on, bringing it from the heart is, is the best way to do it. Yeah, it is. Always from the heart. Awesome. Okay, Scott wants to know, what's the take on rebel government? Are doing, evil. Are evil. evil. Uh, government doing better at catching guys? I think there's been a global task force trying to take down cyber criminal gangs. The thing about cyber criminal gangs is they also work in a distributed workforce. So you've got people all over that have a different job in different parts. So all they're doing, they're not really dismantling these ransomware gangs. They're just taking out bits and pieces of ransomware as a service. So 
uh, all these different things. I mean, it's, it's, it's good progress. It's a deterrence, right? But if you're, you know, like one of the guys that's wanted is in Russia. You think this guy's ever leaving Russia? Nope, he's not leaving Russia. And guess what? Russia's a big country. He wants to go on vacation to the beach. He'll go to St. Petersburg. He wants to go skiing. He'll go to North. He wants to see the Northern Lights. He'll go to Nizhny Novgorod. Like, yeah, there's no shortage of things to do in Russia. Um, you know. Of non-extradition you have everywhere. Well, so for extradition to take place, by the way, the extradition treaties aren't blanket extradition treaties, right? So extradition treaties between countries are based on the fact that the crime that someone did against your country is also a crime in the country he's from, and the punishment doesn't violate his human rights. So, for example, like if you committed mass murder and you went to Canada and you needed to deal with the death penalty, Canada wouldn't extradite you unless the death penalty was off the table. Okay, you're unmuted. Paul, if you want to say something. Oh, no, I, I was just yeah. typing it. Kiddo's in the background doing his uh, his digital ah, audio books. Kiddos. <laughs> you you got to love um this pandemic situation. We already have our Christmas tree up this year, and th we picked out the perfect ornament for it. It was a hand sanitizer and that <laughs> commemorates this year. <laughs> I would have figured you put. I would have put a huge mask on the tree, man. <laughs> well, we, we, there, there was there was a Santa with a mask, um, but it wasn't it, it wasn't as like. Why does Santa need a mask? He doesn't interact with anyone. Why does Santa need a mask? What is Fauci doing? God damn it! Leave Santa out of the mask. Santa thing. gets a mask. Because you always set James off with James, that. All the elves, okay. <laughs> The elves are not a group at risk for COVID, man. They've got like a 99.78% survival rate. Hey, just because they're small doesn't mean that you're young. <laughs> they still have a really high survival rate. I'd love to see Elf, like the movie Elf with like Will Ferrell redone for COVID times. I was thinking about blanking in our, uh, our Christmas tree this year with toilet paper. You know, to to honor the toilet paper shortage. Is there another toilet toilet paper shortage? Oh, there's no. a shortage of everything. Just, now, there's no it. toilet paper shortage. There's a shortage of everything else. There's a turkey shortage, a cranberry shortage, everything. Uh, a ham shortage. shortage. Right. You got Scott Lee Tyson chickens dying. Yes, it's a mess. Scott says Jimmy Fallon's hometown. That's where he's from. If that is the pride of the town you come from. Saugerties, yeah. New York. Griselle so, Ramirez is from Knoxville, Tennessee. Go Knoxville. ahead, um, go ahead, um, Chris. I have a question for Paul and his whole cyberhuman initiative and how how that goes about helping veterans and others. Oh, that's a kind of a multifaceted uh, question there, Chris. Um, the premise of actually building the whole cyber human initiative was to train and educate those that are aspiring professionals. Uh, you know, all of us on screen loathe to hear, you know, when a mentee says, hey, I want to get into cybersecurity. It's like, great. Well, what do you want to do? Oh, well, I just want to do cybersecurity. Uh, so our biggest push is what we call the whole cyber candidate package where, you know, step one, when you read Renee's book, uh, you know, Chris's book, the combination from Renee, Chris, and, uh, and Gary, uh, and everything that we always talk about with soul searching. So illuminating the ideas and the roles that are within cyber. So when you have a, a you know, service member that's transitioning, they can identify the, you know, the soft and hard skills that they already have for certain roles, uh, and then providing that level of, you know, free to inexpensive training, so they're not getting uh, preyed upon by overpriced boot camps or chasing certifications that really have no weight bearing on the roles they truly want to do. Um, but 
it's going to continue to expand. You know, uh, one of our volunteers is actually meeting with SANS uh, today about uh, SANS Vet Success uh, Veterans Immersion Academy. Uh, so looking forward to hearing what we could do uh, to help promote that. Um, but all in all, it's it's really it's really looking at for our veteran and, and career p- uh, pivoters is identifying the hard and soft skills they already have uh, with their life. You know, that they've already lived uh, and how the 28 to 38 percent of mid to senior level roles that we can't fill, how we can get them involved to 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 really showcase how they would benefit those roles. Uh, and uh, what was the other one? Oh, yeah. Um, so with the donors and sponsors that we're going to be receiving, it's also going to help us pay for the certification vouchers. Uh, so you you know, too often, um, you know, boot camps charging $25,000, $3,000 for how to take a test. Uh, you know, they're, they're really just paying for a test voucher at that point. So giving them that education, how to build out their home labs and stuff uh, to really learn it. That's awesome, Paul, especially the, the learning component. I think that um, we... The struggle for folks, obviously, is the experience. And so providing that experience is just so important. So it's really exciting what you're doing. I think also working potentially with uh, employers to figure out their needs and then help with the placement as well uh, through the nonprofit could be really helpful. We, we have to start I think that's one thing we haven't done yet which is how do we cross-function cyber roles with business? So how do we create someone who's in DevOps? How do we create DevSecOps, right? Or someone who's in finance, how do we get them into risk from a cyber perspective? We started that transition uh, thing a while back. Remember, James, the, yeah. the Excel sheet? I just got to get back onto it. Um, but... You know, going through the, the different, you figure each branch has roughly 150, 170 roles. It is building that kind of KSA map of what they have in their role. Yeah, I, I think, but uh, Paul, I want to point out one thing, man. Um, not everyone who does a military role wants to do that same role in civilian life, right? And a lot of people kind of look at their military role. Now, that's great for like, it's great for mapping skills. Here are all the skills you've acquired doing, you know, this MOS in the military. But now let's do another ASVAT and let's figure out what you really want to do for the next 40 years you're going to be in the workforce, right? Or the next 20 some odd years you're going to be in the workforce. Because literally if you're a 20 year vet, you've spent 20 years in the military, you leave the military, let's say at 38, 39, some, somewhere along those lines or you know, you could be in your early 40s and you've probably got another 25 years before retirement. So you're literally doing a, a, an impromptu, like in all aspects, a mid-career change. And not everyone necessarily wants to take what they did for 20 years in the service and do it in civilian life. And a lot of times, you know, and we see that, by the way, with people who are leaving cybersecurity jobs in the military. They don't want to do the same job in the private sector in cyber. They kind of want to go and do something a little different. Um, one, because they realize that they don't have all the advantages that they do doing what they did in the military, right? Having kind of that carte blanche to really go out and kind of do the kind of stuff that, you know, the NSA does or Cyber Command does or FBI Cyber or, or, or Navy Cyber, Air Force Cyber, Army Cyber. Um, so so they don't get to do that. And then the other part of it is, you know, they may want to kind of, transition to a simpler lifestyle um, once they discharge. And I think that's that's also critical. And I think that's part of what you do, Paul, that we've, we've really got to map those out. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely critical, especially, I mean, you, you know that, right? So you got a Navy machinist mate or an engineer, and you know they don't want to go turn wrenches for the rest of their life after right. they retire. But having the idea to say, hey, you know, You've worked on ICS equipment. 
let's train you how to secure that stuff uh, and then help bridge apprenticeship programs within critical infrastructure that would benefit highly with veterans because that's a mission that they understand they love. They're protecting something. The, the industrial control system, the ICS SCADA systems that we so heavily rely on where we're trying to fill that backlog, the, the greatest shortage, if you talk to any CISO in any like major power company, water company, is not cyber talent, but it's cyber talent actually understands SCADA systems and understands industrial control and understands how these systems operate, right? And how electricity gets to, you know, person X. I, th- I would, I, I mean, would, uh, there's, there's, I would add that it's probably, it's the same for most industries where they say, we, you know, that's why people say we could teach this component, but understanding, and I mean, obviously in that, in that scenario, it takes a longer time to, to build those skills, but understanding the underlying, the way it works in a particular industry and then overlaying that with security, um, is like the perfect candidate. Right. Yeah, a lot of my mentees are actually maintainers. They've worked on this equipment. And you know, thankfully, Idaho National Labs just released that they're hiring. Uh, and they have uncapped relocation expenses. Nice. So not only wow. do you get to go get Idaho National Labs training, uh, you know, which is provided by Department of Homeland Security, but <laughs> they're, they're going to pay you to move and work with them. Uh, yeah, but they got to. You're going to Idaho. Yeah, <laughs> potatoes. What else do you got to look forward to? Lots real farm-to-table farm <laughs> potatoes, right? I mean, as a, as, as a person who's infatuated with French fries, if they want to, you know, move me to Idaho and pay for all of my expenses and offer me unlimited French fries, I'll totally do it. Well, then you also got uh, Jen Easterly, you know, with her initiative of, of building these apprenticeship programs within critical infrastructure. Uh, again, it goes back to that mission. You know, the average veteran that gets out, when you talk to them and you say, what do you want to do? I want to do something that has purpose. Yeah. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's a win-win. You know, uh, Director Easterly is doing an unbelievable job of – like she was the right person for this job, right? Like some things fit like a glove, right? And this was one of them. Like she just, I mean, everything she is doing is like, she's been listening for all these years. Everything craps just stood around and was like, oh, well, look, am I giving you some hair? And uh, didn't do. And um, she's doing it all. That's awesome. So Will says, large model of the virus for the top of the Christmas tree instead of an angel. I disagree with that. You should still put an angel on top of your Christmas tree. The virus is not. I have a, I have a star. It's a red star. <laughs> it's a red star. Is it communist by any chance? I was about to say, what is going on? You're wearing red communist. today. A little bit ago, you were, you know, before we hey, went. Remember the deployed. Remember to deploy it, okay? He was fully Comrade Kristoff. He, he was like incognito. Now, now we're starting to really black, understand everything. where Kristoff comes from, right? He's like, you, you guys are going to make my clearance get pulled. <laughs> Everyone, I hear from Russia. Yes. <laughs> Turnips and cybersecurity. My real name is Vladimir. <laughs> Vladimir Putin Jr. Oh, my God. Another LinkedIn user says he is a re- or she is a rare, filthy front-end developer who is actually interested in cybersecurity, high all, and a veteran too. Who is this? I gotta. You gotta out. connect with us. Yeah, yeah. yeah connect with all of who, us. We need people who who understand front-end development, but also are interested in cyber because totally. people's idea of front-end development and security is uh, multi-factor authentication on their WordPress website, <laughs> which is mute or moot. OMG. Stephen Upshaw so, says, I've been working nonstop for more than 30 years and retiring from the military at the end of this month. I'm taking a break from the workforce for a little over a year to go back to school to complete my sequential master's in cybersecurity. 
and decompressed. I'm concerned that I may be overqualified and underexperienced when I turn to the workforce in 2023. Do you think this will be a problem? So Steven is phenomenal. If you, if you follow him, he he took Try Hack Me and, and, and owned it. I mean, he became in the top 1% within a little of three, four months. Uh, but as a, a fellow chief, you know, I, I too felt that heartache when I retired uh, of not knowing where exactly you want to be. Um, and it was by the grace of God that Chris Fulon actually reached out to me and said, Hey, what's your phone number? He's seen me bowing out. I had a Home Depot application and he's like, look at the roles that you can do that you still can remain technical. And now I'm striving. So there you go. Chris is behind the scenes, just pulling people as as they tip over. He's pulling them back, pulling them back to us. Go ahead, James. So one thing I'll say to Steven, right. Um, and, And Paul, uh, Thank you for kind of giving me that feedback on Stephen. I've, I've seen him. I've seen him here before, but I, I haven't followed, and, and I will make sure to do so now after after what you just said. But I will say this: um, No, there is no disadvantage. You're only overqualified if you're applying for roles. You're not qualified. You're overqualified for like so. If you apply to be a SOC analyst, then you're probably overqualified for that. If you apply to be a uh, uh, a manager somewhere, you're probably overqualified for that. Um, in executive and high management roles, a six to month to a one year hiatus between roles is actually fairly typical, right, Renee? Like there are people who leave a job and will sit on the sidelines for six to nine months yeah. until well, they yeah. find the right role for them. Yeah. So the Stephen, the the um, the landscape has changed. And folks have taken breaks. Uh, People don't look at gaps as the way they used to um, in terms of like, what have you been doing for all this time? You're going to clearly show that, you know, you went directly from you retired, you were working, you retired, then you went to school for a year. It makes perfect sense. I don't think it'll be a problem at all. Um, and I think with the opportunity to hang out, to be in, you know, taking courses and networking and things like that, that it will, it, it will help in the long run because you're doing, taking the time that you would have been probably bogged down with a job to actually network and connect with more people in the industry and jump on lives with us like this. <laughs> so, so, yeah. um, yeah. I networking think it, is critical it's, in it's the year, huge. in the year you are off, attend events meet people, kind of connect, um, start looking at roles you do want to do in that year yeah. and start looking at companies or leaders you want to work with. Um, so kind of start reconning some CISOs that you may want to be like, you know what? I want to be part of this person's team um, after 30 years because they've got something that would help me, uh, that would challenge me and it would continually help me learn and become better and maybe set me up uh, to take a more senior and leadership role in a few years down the road. Um, so, so that's what I would do, Stephen, if you're doing that time and you're taking that time, really not only invest in your education and decompress is really critical. I mean, I think, I think when I, when I left the service, I don't know about you, Paul, but I took like, I think four or five months and I didn't do like, pretty much anything, man. I just, you know, for me, it was three and a half months. I did nothing. I literally got in my car at one point and I was just like, I need to decompress. And I started driving and I drove from Colorado to New York. Oh my God. That's a, that's quite a trek. Yeah. And here's the thing. This was like before cell phones and GPS, right? So you kind of get on, I got on highway 70 and I was like, well, let's just see where this goes. And, <laughs> and there you are. <laughs> and along the way, I just, you know, you see signs. But this was before, you know, MapQuest gave me a crazy route. All I wanted to do was go to like this girl's house and it ended up taking me to New York. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, another thing I wanted to say, Stephen, is. Um, yikes, I lost my thought. 
What was I going to tell you? Oh, utilize your career services. So wherever you're doing your master's, they typically, these, org, you know, hopefully the universities are having internal career fairs, you know, they're having that. So they don't only look for, especially since you're doing a master's, they look for folks who are experienced. So, um, you know, when you think of a typical standard, you know, undergraduate career fair, looking for your standard undergraduate student, in this type of environment with your master's program, I don't know where you're doing it, but hopefully there's career fairs that align to it. And that's also another way to either get comfortable interviewing and or find an opportunity. Like I, I think people overlook that so much, like dig into wherever your school, whatever your school is providing. Well, I would say too, with the, uh, oh, go ahead, Chris, sorry. No, I was gonna let you go. Um, you know, take, taking the fact that you've been managing people and leading people for 30 years, look at some of the uh, the initiatives. Like I know Jen Easterly posted that, you know, for, for Virginia and the D.C. area, she's looking for a chief person's officer, uh, you know, dealing with cybersecurity. You know, and that's those are a lot of strategic alliance and partnerships. So that would that might be a good nest egg. Um you know, especially with your background and knowledge. You know, I don't know. I don't know his background, right? Um, not to say that, but I would say, um, Stephen, you've given 30 years of yourself to this nation. And you've probably got a good pension to go with it and everything else that comes with it. Go into the private sector because the private sector has more need for your knowledge than, than the government sector does. And not to mention, there's there's a ton of sector, a ton of businesses within the DoD space, um, the defense industrial base companies that are supporting the government. If you want to stay closer to the government while still being private, and use that knowledge, use your network to help advance the initiatives of those organizations, as well as complete your mission. Um, and then, as as James mentioned earlier, you do use your networking like find the individuals that that you want to work for or the companies that you want to work for and talk to people there that way you can have a right feel for if that's the right place for you or not if that's the right role for you or not and because some people will in the end like working in a big private company or some people will decide no i want to go to a smaller space where I could be more flexible. I could do different things on a daily basis and not, not be um, concerned with just a small vertical of responsibility. Good, good points, folks. Okay, more questions here. So InfoSec Live had made some comments earlier that I put up and when Paul was talking, they said, love this. They said the industry needs more people from other industries and backgrounds. Great points, Paul, when you're talking about all of your initiatives. Sarah has a question. I'm in the interview process for a risk manage management job with a DOD contractor for the Navy. Do you guys have any advice, insight for working in this kind of space? Also, happy Veterans Day. Navy. So. <sighs> All right, Sarah, um, you're going to have to know a little bit of military jargon, Navy jargon. That is Paul's amazing for that. Um, he can give you all the Navy jargon that you would need to know. Um, I think you're going to find this to be probably your most challenging role uh, you'll ever take on. I think anytime you go work for a defense contractor, you start to get in the confines of DOD and military and government. And uh, you start to realize, um, wow, we were, like a lot of stuff is a lot more complex than it should be. So... Um, you know, but keep your head up. You're going to take on a really good challenge and good luck. Um, Paul, you're, you're, you're in her neck of the woods and your Navy. So, um. yeah. So the, the RMF piece, uh, for the Navy side, you know, with the, the ISSO rules, ISSM rules, um, risk analysis, it's, it's going to be unique to that DOD vendor. Um, a person that, I hold value in following is Hope White. Uh, she does a lot of a lot of great things with federal resume building, 
and she does do a lot of connections with with hiring managers that can help beef up your uh, your interview knowledge. But definitely understand the the mission and operation of that DoD vendor and be able to speak to it. Uh, you know, you are going to be met with a lot of acronyms. But as far as the work itself, uh, you know, you're going to be probably you know, on a program of office record uh, project. And, you know, you just got to make sure that you're doing the, the risk analysis for that project. Um, but don't, don't shy away from it. Uh, don't be scared of it. Uh, you know, I think I can probably, if you connect, I can reach out to a few people that it might get some insight to those roles uh, with that specific company if you want to. Awesome. Sarah, hopefully that answered your questions. Um, Steven says, thank you for all the feedback. Great points. Let's go back up here. David Brand. Chris just removed all of you from his security clearance verification connections. <laughs> we weren't on there to begin with. He knew better. <laughs> Has he traveled out of the country? Does Russia count? Yeah, all that stuff. Okay, Will says, agree, agree, guys. Purpose is so important, in my opinion. It can be difficult to find it in cybersecurity, but if you believe in what you're protecting, whether that is a company and their assets or country, et cetera, then you will enjoy it with more purpose. I agree with that. Um, Marvin wants to know, are you all hiring current college seniors who are IT majors now? So we, we personally, I don't know if anybody here is, but... Um, Paul, you want to talk about the initiative, how he could potentially connect? I don't know if he's available. Uh, definitely uh, reach out to wholecyberhumaninitiative.org. Uh, you know, follow us on LinkedIn. I would say that, you know, a shameless plug uh, for Stevenson Technologies Corporation, definitely reach out to us. We are uh, actively hiring ISSEs, uh, you know, for maritime and traditional. So, you know, reach out to us. Perfect. Anybody else? No. Will says, wow, that's how one small conversation between Paul and Chris can entirely change someone's life for the better and forever. Yes. Chris is always like reaching out to folks behind the scenes. And I love it. Just paying it forward. So good at that. He's such a mentor. David Brent says, Renee, would this be the right platform to get some insight from the others on scope and timing of exposing kids to network admin and cybersecurity skills? How that would progress, when's too early, or sequencing that information in the right way, bringing it down from college age to kids to start the process of creating an education of more aware digital citizens for a very future, very, very high tech workforce. So I'm going to remove this because of covering our faces. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's what the, the whole initiative behind the, the whole Cyberhuman initiative. It's to uh, create that connection at the K through 12 level, as well as for uh, career pivoters. So we want to get that information down to the next generation so that they are able to process it in the right way, work with states schools, local local counties to help disseminate this information within the, the education system and or other ways to, to reach out to them to make them more cyber aware. I, I think this goes to the maturity of kids, right? And, and we need to have that conversation because um, we're all created equal, but we all don't grow up equally. Um, and meaning that some people tend to be smarter um, and catch on to things more naturally than others. Uh, some people are natural athlete, athletes. Like, you know, you, you, hand, you hand them a, a soccer ball, a football, a basketball, or a baseball. You know, they're just naturally good at it. Some people are really smart when it comes to studying. Some people are exceptional when it comes to math and science. And this kind of goes to the, um, the whole concept of how flawed our education system is right now in this country. Um, and why that really needs to be the greatest change we do right now. 
is we kind of group all these kids together. We don't really evaluate them. And if we do, we evaluate them based on state mandatory testing. We're not really evaluating the student. We're evaluating if the school and the teacher are doing the right job for the, like for that student. Um, and what's happened is schools started finding um, all kinds of different ways to beat those numbers, right? So in came ADD and ADHD and uh, all these special ed learning. And all of a sudden, every kid's special uh, because they're trying to reduce their statistics so they can continue to get funding. Um, and so the cartel is, is at it, right? And it's time to really rethink that. And I think what David is talking about is really the whole point of kind of using that, I don't want to say that military system, but identifying what kids are really good at what. Now, that doesn't say that if someone's really good at science, they shouldn't study anything else. But maybe we should invest more in what their passion is, right? Still give them the life skills they need. So teach them to read, write, obviously, right? But if someone's a naturally gifted student, should they have gym five days a week? Or should they maybe have it once a week for an hour? Because the rest of the time, their brain is more stimulated doing something else. Um, and someone who's a more gifted athlete, I don't think that they should be playing football all day long. But could we really invest in teaching them skills like management and strategy that really helps them become the next generation of leaders and head coaches and coordinators and maybe general managers and understanding the business side of a sport because sports today are businesses. And I feel like that's that's one, one of the big things what, what David is talking about here is um, this is just so <laughs> – so, so, so important and kind of like so overlooked and so understated that it's really frustrating. And I'm telling you, like with, 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 with Ben, my son, like, I'm like, I don't want to send him to traditional schools. I don't, I don't know that I want him to go to a traditional school because it's flawed to begin with. You, you nailed it on so many aspects. <laughs> For secretary of education. <laughs> You are so absolutely right. But I mean, and that's look at Cyber Patriot, CISRA, and all these places that are that are helping STEM schools. What about the public schools that don't have STEM? Yep. Like they don't get that that uh, that awareness. And I think uh, you know, I posted it behind scenes. Uh, Necessitiesforchildren.org is oh, yeah, doing I just that. Um, you know, they they are building out these kits based on Garfield. To you know, showcase at schools in Southeast Florida about certain things, right? Because let's be honest, if if a child is playing Minecraft, you ninety percent bet that they're on Discord for that Minecraft or yeah. a Slack channel. And this is sadly where a lot of kids get groomed. Uh, so having that ability to, to you know to provide some kind of a level of awareness to them. See, but but Paul, let's let's differentiate safety of children online to the education of children and yep. kind of teaching them how to be responsible citizens, right? The reason we're always behind the eight balls and the criminals are always the molesters, the pedophiles, the sickos of our society, you know, the Jeffrey Epstein's of their kinds, the Harvey Weinstein's of their kinds, right? The reason those people are able to have the kind of access they do is because our system is grooming kids to all think one specific way, right? And kind of grouping them irregardless to the skills. And if you ever talk to anyone who's been successful, right? You look at anyone, whether they were in sports or business, and you go, what was kind of the moment you realized this is what you wanted to do? And I'll always go back to a teacher who actually did what a teacher is supposed to do, recognize a specific skill or talent in their student, and invested in, in really bringing out and sharpening their skills to that so that they can be successful in life and find their true calling, their true passion. And this, this goes into the whole aspect of, you know, run for school board, you know, uh, Renee and Chris, you guys are from Virginia. Who, who you guys just be? changed the country, right? <laughs> I mean, they take, they taking out school board members. I don't know about that. I mean, they're, 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 you, I think Lawton County just came in with more than enough signatures to get the entire school board off, right? <laughs> so, so there's aspects to that where you can look at it and go, for, forget the media talking points over, um, over education. We need to reform education. Um, and, and that, that entails also kind of 
the aspect of allowing people to find the schools. Like I'd much rather have six elementary schools in my, in my, in my like close proximity that have six different specialties. So one's really good at math and another one's really good at science and one's very good at biology and one's very good at reading, writing, creativity, art. And another one's really good at something else, right? Like, like, let's say, uh, you know, critical thinking, just as an example, right? Um, and you kind of test your kid to go to the right school so that they, they can really be around people who uh, bring out the best of them. Because um, if you were ever the smartest kid in your class in anything, you would get really, really bored very, very fast. Absolutely. And, and then you act out and then they yeah. label you a special. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like, uh, like Alex Rose, one of my colleagues and uh, board members for whole cyber is he purposely failed a class or failed a grade. So he wouldn't get labeled and bullied because he wasn't in that in crowd of, you know, traditional kids look like PTA PTA is like that's the best place to uh, to get persuasion done at the school board level it's not we fell at it it's not it's it's you know why because we're so damn busy doing all kinds of other stuff that we trust these random people to sit on boards and make decisions right for 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 kids and by the way, the outrage on school boards has nothing to do with anything outside of the fact that parents are like, I've been dealing with my kid at home for the last 20 months. I'm freaking done. This kid needs to go to school. These teachers need to deal with these assholes, right? <laughs> and get them in class and get them the heck out of my house. All right. I haven't had a moment for myself since this damn pandemic started. <laughs> speak to any parent out there. Speak to any parent who got furious with the school board anywhere it had nothing to do with what the media is selling people nothing it had everything to do with the pandemic rules everything to do with the fact that kids have to wear masks in school even though there's like man do don't get me started on this because i will like who the steam is coming out of his ears we have aaron franks um he mentioned that he's also working to get IT and cyber in schools and have funds and programs like that. So definitely, I think if you could work with the local business community to have either volunteers or funds to provide that type of education, um, work, work from the ground up. Yeah. Every school has an IT guy. Every school has an IT guy. God damn it, put him in a classroom. Yeah, they. I mean, How hard is that? You've got an IT guy. You're paying him forty-five thousand dollars a year, fifty thousand dollars a year. Say, hey, Mister IT guy, you're underpaid and overworked. You're pretty much a teacher. Here's a classroom of twenty really annoying shitheads. Teach them IT. <laughs> well, like my son. I mean, he figured out how to bypass some of the the locks on the iPad, and he's only seven. Yeah. These kids are so far ahead of us or just so far ahead because this is what they've been doing the whole entire time. Um, kids, and- so, so there's actual direct, there's direct research today that shows that you, Renee, as a mom, when you're pregnant, the way that your kid adopts technology is based on your usage while you're pregnant. See, your brain you know, they say women have pregnancy brain where they start to forget stuff because the baby's eating up all your brain. Well, the baby's eating up your knowledge and experience. So when a kid sees an iPhone and instinctively knows what to do with a tablet or an iPhone when they're born, they're not overly smart. They've just taken your knowledge. They've actually done a download. Kids are born with some sort of like download within their brain already. That's kind of teaching them how to breathe, how to think, uh, gives them feelings and experiences I mean, that kind of stuff is, is there, there's research that talks about this where, where the, you know, studied pregnant women who just read and pregnant women who were just on phones. And the ones who read that when the babies came out, they were more fascinated by books than they were by digital devices and vice versa. Fascinating. But I, I think also, like, if you were the type to always use your digital device, um, you might be more prone to like 
here, baby, like watch some videos while I take care of this and rather than like give them a book and be like, here, read this. Am I wrong? I, look, the, the you're not wrong, but the human brain's a fascinating thing, man. Like the, the human brain does stuff that like we can't even fathom. I'm not smoking anything. Why does people, like, why does everyone, think, I'm not smoking anything. I don't smoke. <laughs> James is just on fire. See, Scott, this is when we get on fire, James. And when we're all in agreement, he puts heat, we get a pulpit out. I got to start getting like the little technology so we could get a pulpit and then we could all have on robes and we could sing in the choir in the background and he could preach. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first. <laughs> I had a really good joke. Hallelujah, amen. <laughs> I had a very good Jewish joke right there. Wouldn't it be the first time a bunch of Christians put on robes and cheered for a Jew? <laughs> <laughs> that is a good one. Oh my god. So uh <laughs> the babies eat up all your brain. James Azar, send it to a maternity magazine. <laughs> Okay, so, can, can we move it back to, to can we move it back to how do we improve the cybersecurity pipeline? And... <laughs> no, because we can't improve the cybersecurity pipeline unless we talk about the root cause of the problem, Chris. You're ignoring the root cause of the problem. Okay, wait. The, the mommy's wait. reading books or the mommy's on devices? No, hold on. Neither. Hold on. The root cause of the problem is that when your kid is of age, when they start elementary school, they're not really honing in on the skills that should be best for them. That is the, an, an excellent point. David Bren says, as a sensor director for Code Ninjas, isn't that where uh, what Chris was telling me about? Game development yes. and programming for kids, 7 to 14. I agree with everything James is saying about education. I will definitely look deeper into the Cyberhuman Initiative because I would like to help with that messaging through my own channels and give my network and own child more resources in Baton Rouge, where technology is something a large part of business community is trying to get forward momentum on. Uh, and for example, like the guest that we had last week, um, Jasmine Owens was mentioning in St. Louis, they had a similar problem. And as she was going through the cyber up apprenticeship, she continued to give back to her, her community to drive awareness back to her community because it was a gap that she's she herself experienced in her community and continue to give back. So we definitely have um, those like technology deserts, if you want to call it that, um, within this country where individuals might not have as much access to technology. Yeah, good Which shout out crazy. to to Tony and his team at CyberUp for sure. Yeah, oh, for yeah. real. Tony, they, I mean, they're doing such amazing work. Dale says, hi there, I have a question. I have backgrounds in retail banking, but I have been trying to break into cybersecurity. I have a post-diploma certificate in information security and a security plus and a CCSP. I have, I'm sorry, SSCP. I have been getting a couple of interviews, but I keep getting rejected because I don't have experience. Is there anyone that can advise me on this, on how, and give advice on how to break into cybersecurity? If I had to guess, he's, they're probably using the same resume and sending it out to all these companies, not tweaking it and not highlighting their transferable skills in the resume as well as only relying on applying through applicant tracking systems and potentially not networking with their peers or hiring managers. But he says he's getting interviews. So the resume is getting him through, but he's getting rejected because he doesn't have the experience. Well, experience is then one of those, those convoluted areas, right? Because we, we talk about the home labs. That's where you can showcase your experience. Yeah. What are you doing to, you know, are you securing your home? Uh, maybe you secure something in your home and you start helping out your neighbors. That's experience. Uh, volunteering for some place like ISACUS, Chapter, or, you know, places where you can get your name out that show what you're doing. Yeah, I would also say because, um, and that's the point I want to make in terms of the interviews, 
when you're getting, so I always do an a, a, like assessment when people talk about their job situations. If you're getting, if you're not getting interviews, it has something to do with your resume. But if you're getting the interviews, it has something to do with your interviewing skills or a lack of whatever it is they're looking for. Now we know that in security, they're always asking for experience. It's the chicken and the egg. It's like that in a lot of industries, but it just seems overly ridiculous in security where it's like, okay, I'm an entry level person. I have these certs. I've, not that certs make or break anybody, but it goes to show like I have some level of understanding of what it is that you all are looking for. And um, now you're looking for experience. How am I supposed to get the experience? So kind of back to what Paul was saying, the home labs, like working with, I would connect with, connect with Paul, <laughs> get, into, get into his organization because they are going to provide you with those opportunities to get quote experience and experience doesn't necessarily have to mean that it's in another job. So I think sometimes people kind of take that as we want experience or when they say they want experience that the experience is in a company, it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. It could be the home labs and things that um, Paul was talking about. I would also ask what, uh, what roles that you're, you're going to interview from. Uh, you know, maybe those roles aren't the roles for you if they are being uber technical. I mean, you got so much time within financial, you know, you, you speak financial, maybe look at the vendors that provide security for something that you're already familiar with. Yeah. And the other thing I would say is find ways to talk to that experience. Um, you, you see the job description, you can look at what you're looking for and be able to highlight those transferable skills. Okay. So he was getting interviews for information security analyst roles, which are supposed to be entry level roles where you don't really need a lot of experience. It's, it depends on the company. Yeah, it does. And it depends on the level. So, well, so, so one thing you should do is one, um, I've got a hard drop here at the top, but um, one thing you should do is go apply to work at MSSPs or MSPs. That's a great place. They'll hire you without experience. They'll stick you on the lines. You'll get it. You'll be spot on. A lot of times when you're going to companies and you're applying for an analyst entry level role and you don't have experience, they don't have the time um, to really train you. But MSPs and MSSPs, they're trying to build a pipeline of talent because they need it, and they'll definitely give you a shot. So you may you may be just applying for like actual organizations, but don't dismiss vendors. And I've got many of those, yeah, many, many of those companies don't advertise in your in your typical places, right? They they might not advertise on LinkedIn or um, Dice or Career Builder, but they'll have those job posts available on their website. So, um, like, do a Google search for MSSPs, and you'll get a list. I know there's a top 200 list across the U.S., and then you could just look at that list and reach out to their websites or find individuals that work there. So Dale just wanted to know what the company's name was again, if you didn't answer it already. There, there wasn't a, a specific company's name. He was just saying to yeah, go MSSP. to an MSSP in general. Right. So Dale, that's MSSP, Managed, Service Managed Security Service, Service Provider. all right folks it is um the top of the hour and we are going to take off here again happy veterans day thank you paul for your service thanks to james for his service we want we want him as secretary of education um and you know just have a wonderful day everybody See y'all next Thursday. See you Thursdays. And Chris, you have something tomorrow? Yes, I do have a podcast tomorrow with Stefan Woldeving. Um, I'm I probably pronounced that wrong, but he has an extremely interesting background coming from a rural community farming and uh, moving from Germany from being a mechanic and coming into cybersecurity. Don't forget, we also have the Cyber Career Expo. 
Oh, when's oh that? yes, we do have the, the Cyber Career Expo for Veterans at 4 p.m. Uh, tomorrow? tomorrow. Yes, wow. and we'll, we'll, share the, we'll share the links in, in the comments. How did I not know about this? All right, folks, that's a lot of good stuff happening tomorrow. See everybody tomorrow and next week. Will says, happy Veterans Day. Great info. Thanks, everyone. Bye. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.